Give me the finger. <laughs> no, I'm doing that countdown like in Wayne's World. Is that what it was, the movie it was from? I don't know. I mean, any movie with like a countdown to air. Right? I don't know. They count it up. One, two, three. Instead of three, two, one. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not in the movie. I didn't read the script. I didn't get I any do screen direction. <laughs> I only count up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so here we go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Geek Chew, a podcast where we chew over the geeky things that we love. I'm Eamon. And I'm Charlene. And our intro music is by my brother Ryan. And uh, it's been a while, so we're just going to kind of hit on a lot of things, I guess. Yes. With the things that we're most excited about, I think, being that we finally got to read some of Pretty Deadly, The Rat. Yes. And Wonder Woman 84 came out. So that was good. It was good. (laughs) I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. But we made it through Christmas, yes. uh, which was good and busy, sort of. Was it? I don't know. I, I don't I'm know. trying to come up with excuses for having not done this. But. <laughs> Everything just feels busy. The kids are all home. Well, I mean, Courtney is home. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we're just spending a lot of time with them. Yeah, watching a lot of TV and reading. I've been reading a lot. Um, I've been reading a little. I'm almost done with... The first volume of Love and Rockets. So you need to get on that so we can talk about mm-hmm. that. Don't worry. <laughs> and then uh, I am nowhere near done with the Children of Blood and Bone book, which is, uh, I think, I, I mean, nobody's like relying on our book club book to right. come out on, edit, on, on schedule To be honest with you, I don't think this book's really up my alley, but I'm not sure if it's because I was listening to it on audiobook for a great portion of it. And I... While I appreciate they they do it with like the um, accents, I guess from like the African continent, sort mm. of, um, and so I get why that is like that, but it makes it distracting, and and also I'm not like super familiar with that accent, and so when she changes characters, it's a little bit different for me because I can't really, I'm not I'm not like capturing who those characters are by the voice, and, and it's it's harder for me to follow it, I think. I mean, her voice work, the reader, is is really good. I just am, it's just more difficult for me because I'm not familiar. It's not like the same thing as when I'm reading. A, are, are we allowed to abandon ship on this book? Yeah, we and can if you're not interested. When they came out with uh, an announcement for movies, the Disney Plus investor call or whatever, it definitely came up mm-hmm. as something in production. And it didn't even cross my mind that that was the book we're reading. So, um I think it really hasn't hasn't captured me. I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the story, but I don't. It, I used to be such a completist with books, and it's still difficult for me to not be. But yeah. at some point, you you can't just keep giving your time to something that you're not like super into. And yeah. I think maybe this just isn't a book for us, <sighs> which is relief. hard because it feels it like it's hard, an important but... book too for for the age group that it is, especially for people of color, but. I I don't know if I'm just I don't know. 
Yeah. So we're good. I think we're going to. We'll, we'll pick something else. Yeah. And we will reimburse anyone who bought to follow along with the book club. <laughs> Don't say that. Because what if no. someone. I mean, It's a guaranteed zero dollars. Yeah. And also you'd have to send us proof of purchase. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a hassle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, physical form. Good luck finding our mailing address. <laughs> so I don't know. What else uh, did we do? We finished The Mandalorian. Yes. It was fun. It was really good. The whole season was really uh, well done. And I think maybe even better than the first season. I think the only thing that I didn't appreciate about this season was like all the additional baby noises that Baby Yoda made. Yeah. Like it, it just seemed a little excessive because I'm like, can he grow up like just a little? <laughs> But um, it was a fun season. Yeah. Well, now he's, I mean, spoilers. Everything we talk about in this episode, I think, is going to have some spoiler stuff in it, right? Oh, Especially this it has show to. that aired three weeks ago or whatever it was. It's not <laughs> like it's new. Right. But uh, so it seems like they've essentially turned the page on that. Um, storyline. You know, storyline. And I'm sure he'll come back into the, the mix. They but promised. They he promised he, he would promise. see him again. Yes. He did promise. And now... Uh, Grogu is with. Uh, it's the worst name Luke ever. Skywalker. It's it's grown on me, um, but not enough to think that they made a good decision with that name. But the episode was really cool. A lot of dark saber stuff, um, setting up maybe the fight for the future of Mandalore with um, the Mandalorian and. Bo-Katan. I thought Mandalore like was destroyed. Like I thought it's like uninhabitable now. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Because I haven't watched that part of, I'm, I'm guessing it's from the Clone Wars and Rebels series where you get a lot of that background Oh, with Darksaber as well. But there's also like Wikipedia. So yeah, other than that, the, the Skywalker stuff was, was really cool and exciting. A little, um, they didn't recast. So the uncanny valleyness of the CGI was, that's just something you have to deal with and appreciate, you know, what was good about the reveal. And the music and the fight and, you know, just everything there. But uh, the only other thing that uh, we found pretty funny about watching this was, you know, there's the storyline of Moff Gideon trying to get Grogu's blood. (laughs) (laughs) We had a conversation with Tegan and Courtney while we were watching about how much blood they might have taken. And our guess was, what was it, 20 pints? Yes. (laughs) Totally enough. And so you had to tell her that, you know, that's probably a little excessive considering (laughs) the size of the... Right, being involved and she's like maybe he's just a bag of blood and you said well humans only have eight pints <laughs> she said well maybe everyone in the star wars universe is just really large <laughs> compared to us yeah yeah which i thought was pretty clever yeah <laughs> she's just like we don't know she's whatever it takes for her to not be wrong yeah. you know she doesn't have to be right but she can't be wrong either so and she has the wit to to pull that off so yeah. It's what it is, I guess. We'll just deal with it. Uh, <laughs> but I don't have a, a whole lot else on The Mandalorian. No, I do not either. I did start prepping a little bit for our, what's usually our favorite podcast of the year, which is our top five movies from, from the year. Right. And the uh, the site I was looking through was just highly rated. Anything that scored over 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. And there was this movie, Spontaneous, that came up. And we had watched a trailer for it at some point mm-hmm. recently because it just came out not that long ago. But I had kind of forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. Me too. And uh, when it came up on the, the Rotten Tomatoes list, we decided to, 
I think we purchased it because it was one of those, like you can rent it for four or buy it for six or something like that. Right. So uh, I thought it was really, it was really good. It was really, really well done. It uh, has the, the girl from uh, Knives Out. Yes. The uh, daughter. The, Meg? Yeah, the team, May? Yeah, Meg. Meg? Meg. And um, some other people, you know, pretty young cast. It's, I guess it's based on a, a young adult novel. Oh, is it? As <laughs> everything seems to be. <laughs> But, um, that sentence finished differently in my head before you said based on a young adult novel. <laughs> it's like true story. I don't think so. I've never heard about <laughs> <true> that. Story. <laughs> yes, the true story of um, children spontaneously combusting in high school. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was really sad, and there was a lot of tension at yeah, some points. The, yeah, a lot of tension. It was really funny and had a really great pace. Uh, and I think, as with just a lot of those kinds of movies at some point it, it takes a turn into the, like the morality of the tale that they're telling. And yeah. Things it did get, get a pretty heavier. heavy. Yeah. Uh, even though it was filmed before the virus, it really fits well into this uh, kind of time we're living through. Mm-hmm. Um, I know anytime we watch a movie now that has like a lot of people in one space, he can like wear their masks every time. Every it was time. funny the first three times, yeah. but you know, now maybe pushing, she, should give it a, the, yeah. she should put that one on the shelf for a little while. <laughs> But I would definitely recommend the movie to anyone who is just kind of searching for something to watch. It was really good. It was. I thought it was well done. I thought it was well done. I feel like, um, much like Hereditary, it would have been fine if we took out that last 60 seconds of movie. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of exposition. Or not even exposition, I guess, but this is the morality tale we were telling. Kind yeah. of like really laying it out. Yeah. Thank you for handing this to me on a platter and... I mean, maybe because maybe that's like something that's written out into in the book, which maybe teenage readers would need, but an adult viewer of a movie doesn't need their handheld through all of that, I think. So speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, I am. Okay, fine. This adult (laughs) viewer of a movie didn't need that (laughs) handholding at the end. So from now on, if we watch it again, I'll just turn it off. (laughs) quick quick, give me the remote yeah it's done it ends right here um yeah it'd be interesting to see what comes out next year too just thinking about these kind of movies that are pretty good and we saw and would have forgotten if we hadn't uh, if it hadn't come back up somewhere else like i didn't even know this i sent you a trailer for shadow in the cloud with chloe grace moretz that looks really fun and it's coming out in january and i had no idea uh, what else did we do? Well, on Christmas, we saw Soul, watched uh, the new Pixar movie on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Christmas, Jake's Christmas presents were really cute this year. <laughs> they were. I don't know, you know how useful your guys' Christmas presents were, but I got some foaming tire shine. It's brilliant. <laughs> so I'm very excited about um, putting that on the garage shelf. He was very excited about making sure that the presents that he picked because they do this thing at school. It's like a life science thing. And usually they'll go to a dollar store, but obviously they couldn't do that this year. So they had staff pick out stuff from the dollar store and bring it to the school for them to do a little <laughs> mock shopping. And it comes home wrapped and he doesn't tell us what's in there. So this year we didn't tell him that I had decided to change the routine a little bit. Usually the kids get up and then they like just immediately open their stockings and we are asleep. So we never see them opening their stockings anymore. I told the kids this year not to set up their alarm because Tegan will like set the alarm for like 5 a.m. 
and go wake up Courtney. And then Jake will hear them and wake up and then they'll do their stockings. And then at like 6 a.m. they'll be like, it's time for his, our mom and dad awake, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's weird because we never set an alarm. My brother always woke up at 3 o'clock and he came and got me. <laughs> it's like, but yeah. at least that's my recollection. He might be the only person who listens to this who would... Um, Maybe have and, a different memory. Our, our, lone, our lone listener it might be able to dispute that. Yeah. <laughs> and if he did buy the book to read along with us, he does have our address to send in the proof of purchase. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, so I was like, don't set your alarms. We will get up. I want to see you guys open your stockings this year. So we even had our stockings hidden in our room. Not hidden, but like in our room. Right. So that way... Um, they weren't tempted to go through them and then like shove everything back in. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, um, as soon as I got up, I put them out in the living room where they usually are. And then I went, did something, came back out and Jake sitting in there, like starting to open his stocking. I was like, no way. He was not happy about me asking him to wait because he's like, I really want to look at everything in there. He's really excited about everything. That was a long story. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Maybe I can trim it down. <laughs> But we did watch Soul, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is where that started. Uh, with Jamie Fox and Tina Fey, new Pixar movie. It was really good. I really liked, you know, the depiction of Flo and the the Moonwind part of the story arc. With um, was it Graham Norton voices uh, hippie who can kind of meditate to the point where he can travel the um, the, the spirit realm. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was good. It was it was different than um. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be a lot of him as like a blue blobby soul kind of thing, which there was enough in there, right. um, but it wasn't like the whole movie. It was really top notch kind of Pixar, like the rendering of the city was, was beautiful and they do such a good job with animation, like capturing the detail of beauty in the world, mm-hmm. um, especially in this movie. I thought, I mean, I don't know if, I'm sure they were paying particular attention because that's kind of the theme yeah one of the main yeah yeah Yeah, and i don't know that that part kind of made me think of um american beauty which is a movie that hasn't really aged all that well right (laughs) uh, i remember going to see it in georgetown you know freshman year of college and thinking it was really good Mm -hmm. um but it is i haven't even, i haven't rewatched it in, in quite a while so i'm not comparing this movie to american beauty in any way except for that the beauty of the world is you know something people miss when they're living their everyday lives yeah, yeah. so what did you think of the movie did you think it was cuz i've heard i think everybody thinks it's really well done um it's just a question of whether it's a kids movie at all i think oh that's interesting yeah i guess i didn't really consider that Especially because our kids aren't really like kids anymore, you know? Um, And they all liked it. Yeah, Pixar is really good at balancing like, uh, or I guess most animated movies nowadays are really good at balancing, you know, something for the adults and something for the kids. And it it has humor. Oh, yeah. There's like some physical comedy stuff. And then there's just laughable moments. And But yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe it is. It is. It does seem... um, like a tale that like adults would need right now. Yeah. And I wonder if people who not necessarily making that criticism, but speaking about the movie in that way, maybe aren't giving kids enough credit for what they can understand about what's going on. Yeah. Their takeaway. I know a lot of the people I listen to talk about movies don't have kids. So <laughs> you know, it's like, 
Um, right. So whatever. I, I thought it was good. I thought and it was our good kids too. liked it. So whatever. <laughs> we got to watch it at home mm-hmm. on Disney Plus. Uh, did you have anything else on Soul? No. Uh, we did finally get, I mean, we haven't read the whole arc, uh, but we finally got to start reading um, the new arc of Pretty Deadly, right. The Rat, which was really good so far. Obviously. Uh, you read the first issue. I, I read the first three. And oh. then I have one through three and five because the comic book shop didn't have issue four. So I had to order that, which kind of really worked out for me because I've been waiting to put in a in order online to um, get those three missing issues of black science. I can't believe I still haven't finished that, that book, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm very excited because I've got those three issues coming and the new or the fourth issue of pretty deadly because this started, I mean, we missed the initial release of, of the arc because I was deployed when it came out. Like I saw it coming in the previews catalog. We were very excited about the story continuing, mm-hmm. but then I was gone. So uh, we just completely missed all the whole five issue arc, and uh, but now we're getting into it. Super good. I I really do have to reread. I think the first two arcs. Yeah. Uh, the the summary in the beginning is very helpful. Very helpful. As is the letter in the back. I don't know if you read that the Kelly Sue DeConnick letter. Um, yes. Now I I reread it this morning just because it had been a little bit and I knew we were going to be talking about it. Um, I did not reread the letter in the back or the summary in the front, but it was very helpful on the first read. Um, and it's nice to know like sort of the direction that the intention of the direction of the whole, of the, the whole, whole series, the series. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know that it was cause it's basically going to split up into five different, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, volumes. Yeah. <laughs> but this one is the third one out of five and it's kind of a noir 1930s mystery yeah and i guess the overall theme of this one is um why art is that what it was why art i guess there's a specific theme they want each volume to cover this is all from the her letter in the back i really liked reading the letter about just the creative process and how things how stories develop even after that letter they go into uh the artist process for you know whether it's um in this case, it was the splash page that looked really beautiful in the issue that Emma Rios. Yeah. Uh, that is her name, right? I didn't yes. screw that up. Yeah. But I don't know that the comic book itself really is beautiful and a lot different, yeah, whether it's the art or the layout of the pages that um, mm-hmm. it's very unique, very unique. Ugh. It's unique. And uh, I don't know. I just really dig it. Yeah. It's, it's such a beautiful combination of storytelling and artwork. And Amarios' style is so, um, it's like almost like script-like and the color choices. Uh, I don't remember the name of who does the color in this, yeah. but I know that it's listed in, obviously. Um, but it's, it's, it's an important part of this story too. Uh, I think something that I always gravitate towards are the colors and the color choices in books and movies and anything that is visual that I think that that there's a good portion of people that neglect to like weigh the importance of that. And I just love the color in this. It just is uh, a really beautifully done story. I really appreciate when you pick up the issue, it's like you're right back into that, uh, the rhythm of the book with the mm-hmm. bunny and the butterfly and their kind of intro to the story. And, yeah. Um, just the world that it to, drags um, you into. And, yeah. The yeah. story that's being told and, 
this this issue is um, really effective, I think, setting up the arc, especially once you get to issues two and three and you kind of see the Reapers that they're dealing with um, in this in this volume and the Conjure Man, Frank, and his search for finding out what happened to his niece, Clara. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Deathface Ginny has got a, a big part in the story. Yeah. And I don't know. I really did like her reveal there at the end with that splash page. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just awesome. And I'm excited for the fourth issue to come so I can finish this volume and, and also Black Science. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good one. It's one that I'm always excited to pick up. Yeah. You have anything else for Pretty Deadly or do you want to just talk about Wonder Woman? Let's talk about Wonder Woman. So. uh, There's also Pretty Deadly. Oh. (laughs) Please cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the movie finally came out six months after it was supposed to uh, in theaters and on HBO max. And I guess it, it did fairly well at the box I office. I haven't looked at any numbers at all. Uh, and they say it did really well on HBO max. Same with all the other streaming services. It's really hard to tell right. what that means, but it did well enough where they, before the movie came out, I had heard rumblings about what would happen with the franchise going forward. If Patty Jenkins would be back to direct the next one, because she's also, going to do the the star wars stuff you know rogue squadron and right and what does that mean for like contracts that they have because it's obviously changed like the nature of the contracts that have been prior yeah previously signed and you know. yeah so I, I mean word on the street though ear to the grindstone <laughs> <laughs> uh is that they've fast-tracked wonder woman 3 and patty jenkins will be back Gal Gadot will be back. And so nothing to worry about, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. what. Where do you want to start with, with the movie itself? Um, I don't know. I mean, I really loved it. I love how fun it was. And it was just mostly light. I loved it enough that all of the things that were problematic with it just don't even matter to me. Because there were some things that were problematic, especially in the last third of the movie. Yeah, it's interesting. Um. And uh, I think a good way to kind of maybe get into, I mean, we don't really have to talk about it as like what was wrong with this movie, but how we approach these kind of movies, I think is can sort of be defined by our kids' reactions when we left the movie theater because Tegan was like, I've gotten a lot better about saying this, but that is one of my favorite movies. Cause she's like, this is my new favorite movie. (laughs) She used to say it every time we left a a superhero movie, uh, which was adorable, but she really enjoyed it. And, and Courtney was like, Oh, there's all these, like, I just thought it was okay. And he did the same thing with Captain Marvel. And like, he still doesn't, he just doesn't understand. I think the way that we approach those movies is we're just going to look for the stuff that we really liked and made us feel good. Right. Um, like we know that Captain Marvel is one of the lesser Marvel movies, but I still enjoyed it. Me too. And And I think he just comes from a place of not wanting to be so accepting of everything. He's trying to make a more adult form opinion rather than going with his emotions. Or, yeah. You know, and I think so, it's good. And to, yeah, I yeah, think that's to good. To be critical. I mean, watch it any way you want, but I, I just, I left just thinking about the things that I really liked. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, especially after we watched it a second time, I was like, well, I mean, really for me, and this is not like, she needs a male counterpart to like um, help her through the movie. But just 
because of the way the movie was structured, the best part of the movie was the part with Steve Trevor in it with Chris Pine. Yeah. And well, also Chris Pine is so fantastic. Yeah. So good that, you know, he's probably the best part of a lot of movies, yeah. you know, and I feel like Gal Gadot and Chris Pine's chemistry on screen is really good. It is. Like, yeah. I, I recognize, well, I recognize some of the issues like, like it is difficult for them to, uh, kind of sidestep the fact that she was supposed to have disappeared after world war one and what, what, why was she not like involved in anything? But now they're making this 1984 movie where, you know, she is involved, but she's kind of saving people at mall. And you know, it's like, why? Um, yeah, I just sort of had to let it go. Yeah, for sure. And I think the end, you know, you, you talked about the end of the last 30 minutes, they do kind of go off the rails a little bit. Yeah. Um, but and you listen to the the first big picture podcast about yeah. um, the movie where he said, you know, Patty Jenkins was quoted as saying, like, I wanted to make a movie where nobody died. And the big confrontation at the end was a conversation. And yeah. she did that. So, like, I can appreciate that, that was the goal. Um, maybe the execution left a little something to be desired, but really I just, you know, all of that stuff is kind of secondary to me. Right. <laughs> it's secondary to watching Wonder Woman fly. Yeah. Right? Wonder Woman flying, Wonder Woman, uh, being vulnerable and still like kicking butt. Wonder Woman just being like, Ooh, let's, uh, whip onto this missile that's being launched so I can grab a kid out of the street. I mean, it's fun to watch. It's exciting to watch. Yeah. And it's it's just so cool. Yeah, some of the action scenes in this I just I really I really liked the um desert highway chase. I think that might have been my favorite action set piece of the whole movie for yeah. sure. I think it's believable that like there would be this mystery woman. And I mean, cause in the eighties it's a time where there's not a bunch of uh people carrying around cameras in their pockets, you know? So like her showing up at a mall because there's something going down, you know, cause she just was doing her shopping and she's not going to let this kid get dropped off the side of a, I thought that was so strange, yeah. <laughs> strange choice on, on the, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of cocaine part. going around in the eighties. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's super high. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought Kristen Wiig as Barbara Minerva was, was really good. Yeah. And the Max Lord stuff with Pedro Pascal, like, I liked him, uh, what he did in the movie. I just, as the kind of main villain and kind of the wishing stone aspect of it, it was all kind of strange, but you know, I enjoyed it and it's Tegan's new favorite movie. Yeah. (laughs) It's, I, I really liked it. Do you have anything else uh, for Wonder Woman? No. Oh, I I do wish maybe there was a little bit more like 80s style music. Like when the, when the 80s music was part of the scenes and stuff, that was really fun and really yeah, there was um, no no needle drops. There's no like dropping the perfect eighty song right on the on this scene. Yeah, they used a lot of the you know Wonder Woman score from the previous movie, which I think was perfect for that movie, and I still really love it. And it's my ringtone, you know. Like it does seem, but it just I think it would have been more movie, fun to have more of that eighties stuff because the eighties the eighties vibe was so fun. The, yeah. the wardrobe was great. Well. Maybe next time. Yeah. Whatever that movie looks like. Uh, so that will probably wrap it up for us. I think uh, our next episode will probably be 
best movies of 2020. Yes, it will. And then and following then, that, we should be doing our deep dive into Love and Rockets, Maggie the Mechanic. Yes. Very excited because it's really good. So, uh, yeah, that's it. It was fun. It was smart. We liked it.